dearly beloved, we are gathered here in this podcast. Hello, my name's Taryn. I'll be one of your hosts. Welcome to the Missing Vibe. You're here. I think we're all missing a little something, someone, and we're not really sure how to talk about it. So just do what most most of the kids these days are doing and uh, and not. We'll just listen to someone else talk about it online. And that's where we come in. Renee, just tell us a little why you're okay. here. Okay. Well, my name is Renee Lund, and I am here because my 19-year-old son, Tanner, was killed by a drunk driver on Saturday, March 26th, around 2.30 in the afternoon. And right now, a year later, a little bit over a year later, no one, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Grief is very new to me outside of losing a parent when I was very er, earlier in my life. Uh, losing a child is nothing I could have prepared myself for, obviously. But at the same time, as I've kind of walked this past year, I've realized that a big demographic of people who have not felt the support, even from me, is Tanner's friends who are, you know, in that age group between 18 to 30, I guess. Uh, I don't feel like there's any resources for people or a lot of resources for kids, quote-unquote, in that age group. They're kind of having to figure this out on their own. It was easy for me to find a grief group slash counselor for someone who has lost a child, but I have not seen any grief groups or support groups for kids that have lost peers um, in their age group. And so part of me wanted to talk about it because I think it's really important. I didn't realize the grief that these kids have had since I read victims impact statements or heard from them directly at how much they're struggling. And I feel helpless and hopeless and I want to try to help. Nice. Hopefully we can here. What resources do you feel like were available to you that would you say aren't available to kids of uh, your son's demographic? Well, I feel like, you know, when you go through the funeral process, uh, that's completely unexpected. They offer, quote unquote, I don't know if it's even called counseling, but a resource for you to have someone to talk to. But it's very vague and it's very impersonal. I believe that's what I got from it. So because of that, I continue to look and look and look to see if I could find some sort of specific grief counseling. And that alone was a little harder for even for me, because most counselors are pretty, uh, have a pretty broad spectrum, but I wanted someone that was specific to grief. And so when I finally found somebody, which I was very grateful for, the caveat to that was it wasn't covered by my insurance and it was, you know, that's a thing. So I'm lucky enough to have insurance. A lot of people don't. And I felt like, so when I finally found my grief counselor, that was huge, but a lot of people do not have that resource at all. And most kids, I would say in that age, age group, don't have the wherewithal to even really push themselves to find it. They don't know what's going on. They don't know. They just don't know what's happening. So they wouldn't probably even think to reach out or 
find a book or something like that, or even look online. So I'm hoping that we can talk about different things and people can know that they're not alone on their grief journey because it's a, it's a nightmare and nothing can prepare you for it. And I'm not just speaking from a, a mother who's lost her son. I'm talking about any grief that someone has to go through. Yeah. No, no matter what it is, it's all, it's all valid, whoever you're, you're grieving for, whatever you're feeling. And I, I agree fully that uh, those available or those resources aren't available to a lot of people in that like Tanner's demographic myself, I'm about 25. I was one of his oldest friends. It's, you don't really know where to go with it. All, all that stuff seems so far away when you're this age, when you're that age, especially that one is just thrown right in your face. You're not really sure. Yeah. It's like your first test or taste of one real grief. You know, we lose our parents and grandparents before us and that's kind of how it's, you know, the natural progression of things. It's understood. Yeah. Like, you know, sort of the Mm -hmm. whole time. And so when you have a death like this, that was so sudden and tragic, unexpected, obviously, everyone's kind of left to themselves and not knowing what to do. And there's so many emotions going on even a year and a half later. But like you said, you know, Taryn, as an example, you know, you were kind of lost and you were trying to find you know, maybe some sort of help, you know, with therapy initially. And the advice you got was terrible. You know, it was very it was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it was. So, it I mean, maybe you can say, you know, what, what you were going through when Tanner passed, you had a big year yourself. And, you know, we'll talk about all those emotions, but, you know, in a nutshell, you go through this horrific, thing with someone that was supposed to be in your wedding and you're reaching out and what what happens to you yeah i got uh you know the the insured therapist <laughs> available once a month and you know in that time you get like 45 minutes with him i was told to white knuckle it i was like yep that <laughs> that's great like advice what a 70 year old man would say as my therapist <laughs> thank you old, old exactly guy. so i mean it's not but, yeah, it's a whirlwind. And so obviously that didn't help. It probably made, in some ways, I don't know, not worse for you, but like, okay, great. It's, they're not, quote unquote, taking me seriously. They're not invested in helping me. They're dismissive in a way. That's how I would take it. I don't know how you took it, but in my world, in my mind, that was you know a great example of what you dealt with just to start with. And then when you have that experience, yeah. you don't really want to probably pursue other avenues because it's exhausting too it is exhausting to reach out and go through you know a few trying a few uh trying to get one you like and you know you feel like all you're doing is playing catch up but yeah you're absolutely right it did it was disheartening and you know if if I were to take that seriously and as many people do you know they go to the professionals for help it could set you in like a a poor trajectory for your grief process and like your recovery and I was sort of of the understanding last year that I had to just like sort of <laughs> white knuckle my way through it but you know that's that's what I was told but what about what was your like initial experience I guess let, let's start with what uh 
you know, why did it affect you so hard? Tell me about, tell me about Tanner. Tell me about your son, what happened and, and sort of that initial phase of, I guess, a life without him since then. Well, of course it's, you know, I look back a year, obviously we're both here, you know, we're doing this, hoping we can talk about stuff and help because to go back real quick to what you just said is like, you really did have to white knuckle it, Taryn, your therapist told you to, and you did because you didn't have a choice, right? You had no choice. And, you know, I would like to say that you did a great job, but you're not okay. That's the bottom line. Like you're not okay. And none of us are, but we'll, we'll talk more about your stuff on the next episode. But to answer your question, you know, Tanner was 19 years old. He was a light. And it's easy to say things about people that have passed away that, you know, they, they're a light or they lightened up a room and everything positive about somebody is what people say when someone passes away. But as a mom and as Tanner's mom, I can say, and I'm not trying not to be, um, I don't know what the word is. I'm trying to be real that Tanner really was someone that was very unassuming. He was humble. He was funny, thoughtful, considerate. Uh, he struggled with his own issues, you know, 2020 hit and all these kids dealt with some depression and kind of feeling lost. So Tanner had all those things, you know, going into his adulthood you know, again, 2020 hit, he didn't graduate, you know, it was a senior year, dealt with some mental health, depression. The only thing that really kept him moving was his friends. And as a mom, I don't take offense to that because I'm grateful to his group of friends that he had, you know, play video games. They were always there to support each other. Very tight, new, tight knit group. So when Tanner was killed on a Saturday by a drunk driver, you live in this world of denial and numbness and, you know, it's not real. It's still not real. I'm waiting for him to come home from wherever he is in Europe or whatever. So the last year has not gotten any easier, even though it's been over a year. So, you know, that day is stuck in my mind. Tanner was killed again by a drunk driver. So that's a whole other issue that needs to be addressed at some point. But the person that killed him was drunk on a Saturday afternoon at two 30 and Hannah was turning left on a green arrow. And this person ran a red light and smashed him around a light pole that is turning into my mom's neighborhood. So for the past year and a few weeks, I have had to drive by that pole every day to see this where this accident happened. And that is not easy. Also at the time of Tanner's death, we were staying with my mom to help her with some health issues. So his room was right next to mine and I do not hear him anymore. And that's extremely difficult for me. I would hear him at night playing his guitar or playing video games with his friends, laughing and all those things. So my world is shattered and I am never going to be the same again. But through my grief, I wasn't able to see anyone else's grief and I'm still not a hundred percent. So knowing that everyone is grieving still, you know, hurts me because I wasn't able to help and I want to try to help now if possible, because all of Tanner's friends have walked 
a journey that they shouldn't have to at their age, at your age, Taryn. Yeah, it's it's a tough road, but thank you. And when you when you say it hasn't gotten any easier, I suppose I guess I guess walk me through the the feelings at that, the feelings that come with something like that. If you could compare different facets of life, you know, April of 2022 to April of 2023, you know, what was getting you out of bed in the morning then and what's getting you out of bed in the morning today? Who have you talked to to change that, you know, your feelings if they have changed? And what would you say worked and what what would you say hasn't worked for you for, you know, Tanner's mom dealing with the bereavement of a child and the resources that are available to you on your journey? Well, so from April 22 to April 23, I can't tell you what, why I got out of bed. Honestly, when I look back, I don't remember a lot of last year. And that sounds weird to say, but I truly don't. I don't remember his celebration of life. I don't remember his burial. I don't remember anything. I don't remember the day he died. People came over to my brother's house when we got the news and I don't remember who was there. I don't know who was at his funeral. So I honestly don't know why I kept getting up when I didn't want to, but I felt like if I didn't make myself, then I would be really in a lot of trouble because, you know, I still have my mom to help take care of and I have work and all these things. I have a faith. I am a Christian. And so dealing with my faith and being mad at God is a whole other, you know, issue too. It's like you're falling down a well and you just, your arms are, there's nowhere to land. You don't know when you're going to land. I still don't know when I'm going to land, but you know, I think the main reason that I'm here and still breathing and walking is because of all the family or, you know, all my friends that have surrounded me the last year and lifted me up and helped me, you know, check on me and validate me and be patient with me and do everything they can to be there for me. I would be not here probably if it wasn't for them. And then you add the layer of Tanner's friends to that. And most of Tanner's friends I've known for years and years and years. And there's a handful that I just met that he just met like in high school but they have been so considerate and kind and checking on me. And if I look back, I think the biggest thing that kept me going though was the court process and wanting justice for Tanner. And now that that has, the court has ended and the person that killed him was sentenced to nine years in prison. That was a huge relief, but it was also like the closing of a chapter in a way that was my purpose. And now I don't, right now I don't have that same purpose. So I don't feel like I've made a lot of progress in the last year. I think now is when I have to start grieving because before I was so focused on the person that killed Tanner and that was a, a very long process and completely ridiculous as far as justice and the whole thing. Yeah, the especially I and that's an excellent point just because of the the nature of Tanner's death it was, you know, he was killed by a drunk driver. There's another 
like free agent involved. A person made a choice and now you don't have a son and, and we don't have, I don't have a friend. Exactly. Anymore. And that's hard to deal with. You, you know, you're saying you're a mad at God. I'm, I'm not a man of faith, but it, yeah, it definitely had me questioning like the cruel indifference of the universe. But, and that, that's really sad. And I'm sorry that, um, you know, you haven't really been able to focus on grief and all the things, you know, like you said, the, uh, the people grieving around you, it's hard to see, you know, remember, you know, major events and everything's just kind of a blur because it feels like you're trapped in that, God, just in that, like that night, that day after, because the person who, who killed him is just waltzing around town, free man. One day of pre, pre-sentencing incarceration. That, that could no, have been easy. No, it was, you know, again, learning so much about the process, learning about the DUI drunk driving legislation in Colorado and learning what the blood alcohol content was for the person that killed Tanner. Very upsetting to say the least, especially this person had a DUI in December of 2021 with equally high blood alcohol content, which would be above, above 0.24, you know, so two and a half times the legal limit in December of 2021. And then again, killing Tanner in March of 2022. So that's a whole, you know, those anger and just not knowing. It's just so many emotions, you know, and it's. It's a lot of anger. It's a lot of valid anger. And the fact that the guy, you know, was uh, out on bail or out on bond for over a year. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the the stages of grief, as it were, everyone knows the, the five stages, everyone's fit, denial, anger, sadness, bargaining, and then acceptance. Would you feel like you were, you were trapped in the anger phase just like the whole time, like because of, because of the nature of it, because he was a, you know, he hadn't been brought to justice yet. It was just like a, like a war path. Did you feel? Yeah, I feel I feel it more now because I was like, you know, that, you know, the, the stages of grief, it's I don't feel like it's linear. I feel like it's it, it depends. So, you know, I'm still yeah, in denial. Sure. I'm still. All those things, it depends on the day, but the anger, you know, the way Tanner died is not OK. Like, I'm just really pissed off about that. Like, there's no way that should have happened. This person had didn't learn from his first DUI, didn't care. That's very upsetting to me. He didn't care about anyone. He didn't care about himself. You know, he was going 30, over 30 miles an hour up a road here that had a 45 mile an hour speed limit. Weaving. He was going like 70 or something, right? And he could have killed a lot more people. I'm grateful that that wasn't the case. Unfortunately, it was Tanner by no fault of his own. So you hear this, you know, this is an innocent crime this is a crime this is an innocent person being killed by a drunk driver who chose to drink and drive again after he had the same situation in december but didn't kill anyone so i guess he thought let's just do it again because i'll have the same outcome you know so i'm grateful that he's in jail right now but you know he's up for parole in four years and that is not okay but Back to your question, you know, at first it's like you're numb. I've been numb for a long time because I haven't felt in my heart how much this hurts. 
And now that the numbness is wearing off and court is over, I feel like I'm starting the real grieving process. They say that, you know, the second year can be just as or harder than the first year. And I'm like, great. Okay. You know, cause that first year was hard, but I was, Oh, do they, do they say yeah. that? Yeah, they do. Not for everybody, oh, but that's it's encouraging. Great. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's nice. But I feel like the difference maybe for the second year is what you alluded to earlier was that I have the resources now to navigate things a little better than I did the first year because, you know, Tanner died in March and I didn't find any actual grief, quote unquote, help until probably September. So I still was, I guess, guessing. I don't know what I was doing. But I found, you know, I found help. And then as you get to further along, you start researching like books and stuff. So I have a lot of great books that I've been given, um, but I haven't read them, all of them. You know, there's lots of groups on Facebook. I found like a a mother's mother's who've lost sons page. And one day I was looking there and a lady had posted something about her son who was, who died on March 26, 2022 as well. So I reached out to her and just said, my son died the same day. And long story short, we've become friends due to these tragedies. Her son was killed by, or he, he died by a fentanyl overdose. She lives in California, but we've kind of been able to walk this walk together, like the same timeline. And that's been helpful. So I feel like people that can validate you or people that can empathize with you is really huge. I think that if you're going to talk to someone that about your grief, that's never lost anyone. I don't, I don't see how that could be very helpful at all. And that's, that's an important friend that you made the woman with the same who had lost her son on the same day. Cause she, you know, of all people would understand certain milestones that even close friends or, you know, other people might not like, you know, anniversaries of you know Mm -hmm. certain events in you know your respective son's lives that would have lined up as well as the timelines of what happened since their deaths like you know you had the same first christmases without them you know same holidays a lot of things like that so in in what ways has that kind of helped you to open up again i get grief and and death can make a lot of people shut away like you said nobody knows what to do right nobody knows that i help each other they don't people are afraid how would you say yeah that sort of helps crack that open and and whatever you're about to say sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but yeah people don't know what to say i've had people say they're afraid to bring up tanner's name because it'll make me mad which is furthest thing from the truth because i will never not speak his name then you have people that are afraid to not say something because then they think that you're they're being rude or some in some way some people just don't talk about it again because they don't know what to say but they but that's hard for the griever in some ways because when someone dies you have a million people that are there for you and sending love and going to the funeral and all those things and as time passes which it's been over a year I don't hear from any of those people anymore, not even like a check-in, which is fine, but it's also makes you wonder why. I don't know why 
I can't, I can't answer that for each person, but for the example of this lady, her name is Andrea in California who lost her son, Stephen. He was older, but he was very similar. There's her son and Tana were very similar char characteristically. So it was kind of funny. Like they both play guitar. They both were kind of free spirits. They were funny. They were goofy. So being able to walk with her, you know, so let's say mother's day rolls around and I'm struggling. I can reach out to her and say, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? She can tell me a lot of times it's very similar. We can validate each other or I can say, Hey, I really feel like punching people in the face today. How are you doing? And you know, that's a valid to be validated to know that it's okay to feel like punching people in the face, but not necessarily <laughs> doing it, of course, but just knowing that like, I'm so annoyed. I don't, I don't like people or whatever. We can kind of bounce off each other a little bit. Um, so that's been hugely helpful. And then, you know, I have, I meet another lady that lost her 17 year old son who happened to be my brother's neighbor to a drunk driver. He was in the car with a drunk driver and was killed. He's 17. So this lady I've never met in my life, who is my brother's neighbor, all of a sudden we're friends because she lost her son to a drunk driver as well. So you come across people that you can in a way relate to and that helps a lot. And so that's why I feel like for your age group, you don't have that. And that would be really hard in my opinion to not have, I mean, you guys all collectively lost Tanner at the same time, but on the flip side of that, you guys don't know how to handle grief. No one does. And you're trying to figure it out on your own because you don't have anyone else yeah. to not even feel validated. In my opinion, none of you guys did the validation of your feelings, the validation of your anger. I feel like you didn't have that. I, we, we had it in each other, you know, as, as you said, we're Tanner had, He's a popular guy. You know, he had a, a few different friend groups, all of them close-knit with him in their own ways. So, yeah, and so, we, you know, we, we just kind of had our respective friend groups to remember him as we remembered him. You know, he had different hobbies, and he made different friends doing different stuff. And it, it, we haven't intermingled much <laughs> to, like, talk about it. There's not really, like, you know, you, you have the, the bereaved moms group that you had found. There's not, like friend of a friend died chat there's i don't know it's it's not like it's not like a no there's nothing you know friends something like that there's like twins i've seen you had brought up one like someone lost a twin mm -hmm. sibling ones are rarer exactly but it's mostly it's mostly tailored for you know demographics die more like mm -hmm. Older people, mm -hmm. spouses, parents, grandparents, things like that. It is. For international listeners, despite this being America, there isn't really, isn't really much on like student age death grieving process. No, not that I've found, you know, and I've tried to look because I was worried about, you know, you guys, and then, you know, Tanner had a nephew that's 13 and 
I really didn't come across anything. And because I really was hoping to maybe find some sort of support group for him because it, like I said before, the validation of your feelings to me was really huge for me. And then also the acceptance yeah. of my feelings to others is important because every grief journey is unique and I want people to understand that I'm grieving still, but I don't know to make that them aware of that. It's not like I'm better all of a sudden. And so we're still grieving and we're going to grieve for the rest of our lives, but it kind of changes. Like you learn to grow around your grief. You don't ever walk through it to get, to the other side it's just kind of surrounds you I guess but I don't know I feel like people don't talk about it enough or if they do it's geared towards everyone but you guys or that age group and in, in in my age group I've seen it's it's uh it's a lot of <laughs> I would be I guess dark humor would be the main go-to I guess if you see like online collective there's a there's a collective like existential dread about the future <laughs> and you know kind of the, the the indifference of the meaninglessness of actions in in a lot of contexts and i feel like sort of the like teen to 30 early 30s range kind of share that but it's it never goes really deeper than that from what i've seen it's like i would describe millennial zoomer mental health as like just sort of a collective nervous laughter that doesn't really get addressed like you're doing right now just kidding <laughs> yeah yeah like it's it's kind of like that like and it's interesting because mental health is huge on everyone's mind and blah 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 but i don't the resources are really limited in my opinion you know so it's hard to hear that because you're living that you're that age you're living it and it's kind of, like you said, a dark humor. You have to kind of make light what else of it. Can it be? Yeah. Which I don't know if that helps. I mean, humor helps in all ways to me, but I don't know if that's a healing mechanism for people. If they use, I know a lot of people use it. Probably, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's so far for me, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is what it is um but see that's not like that's the hard part when you people like you just use a great example of it is what it is yeah it is what it is because tanner's gone someone dies but at the same time it's like i'm still not okay and how do i know when i'm okay or when will i be okay or yeah. Do I have... what's the what's the threshold of yeah. okay? Yeah, what defines okay? I guess it's different for everybody, but Yeah, it's definitely different for everyone and and enclosure. You know, and and just sort of the if how and when they start their process is so different from everyone. And and it it bridges and blurs even, you know, age groups and stuff. A lot of I I you know uh a lot of Tanner's friends had similar mindset to you where they wanted, you know, kind of justice before they could really start trying to move on. Mm -hmm. I, um, 
I hadn't thought about Tanner's killer a lot over the last year, aside from, I guess, just times when I'd want to support you. Right. You know, my, my mother was also involved. She, she would go with you. To yes, I would like you. to. Yeah, huge. I mean, let's do a little backstory. Your mom, me, have been friends, are friends, because of you, your brother, my son, oldest son, CJ, and Tanner. And so we've, we're like double moms in a way because we've watched you all grow up from very young ages. So our our families are close and you guys are like brothers. And so your mom has been an amazing help to me. She loved Tanner and CJ just as much as I love you, you and your brother. So it's almost like it hits harder too, in a way, because it was families connected. It was, you know, Tanner and CJ, my older son are close to your mom. And, you know, you guys and were always close to me. We were always doing stuff together. So you lost probably something closer than most friendships in a way. Yeah, he was he was a little brother. Yeah. It wasn't just a friend. You've known Tanner his whole life, honestly, because you are the older brother and CJ's older brother, so Yeah. But you know, you go on a you go on a counselor website and there's nothing there's nothing for uh for ten brothers. Grieving the loss of a spiritual <laughs> little brother. Exactly. Exactly. And it's also where you can't there's a closeness there because you guys have known each other your whole, I mean, you've literally known Tanner's whole life, but the beauty of this, what I think I'm also seeing too, is that as you guys have all become adults, you guys still choose to chose to spend time together. You still are good friends with CJ. You guys enjoy each other's company. Now it's not like you were forced to when you were little, like we would just do family stuff together. You guys became like friends as adults too. And that is a choice that you guys got to make. And that also makes it difficult, I'm sure, because you're friends. Like you were taking it to the adult, your adult life as friends. It wasn't just childhood friends. It was friends as adults, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. A uh, groomsman even, my wedding that year. So. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Yeah, and I and it breaks my heart that. One, someone's simple, irresponsible act could ruin so many lives. Not ruin, but yeah, ruin for right now. Right now, our lives are ruined. Mine is. I don't know if I'm speaking for you. And I know it will. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm not assuming that your life is ruined. Yeah. I mean, you married a beautiful woman, but that was probably the highlight of your love last year for you. And you'll. Yeah, that was, you know, my wife was a bright spot. I definitely, definitely 100% needed. <laughs> to get married. I highly recommend anyone getting married. <laughs> yeah, get married. I highly recommend getting married before the tragedies occur. Yeah, instead of after. But yeah. Yes. That's here nor there, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, you dealt with a lot too. Like this person ruined a lot of things. Yeah, you touched a lot of lives. Talk about, uh, talked about, talk about how that courtroom looked during the sentencing hearing. What was the ratio? The ratio? I don't know. Was it 90 to 90% to 10, 9 to 1? You know, a lot of times through the whole process, you know, I learned a lot about the legal process because 
it does take time and they prepared me for that. But, you know, each court date, it was something dumb and just the formalities of it. So a lot of times just a handful of people went with me to court. And again, no one had to. I was blessed by beautiful people that chose to go with me. And I did understand that most of Tanner's friends and kids your age weren't going to go. And that was fine because they were really pointless anyway. Um, like I said, formalities. But when sentencing came, I had made shirts for Tanner. If anyone wanted one, they could have one. They were purple. That's Tanner's color. Uh, I wanted to tell people to wear them to court if they were going to come or if they just wanted the shirt and made sure it had a big picture of Tanner on it and his name and all those things. But I didn't ask anybody if they were going to come. I just left it at, here's your shirts. That's it. So on court day on the 7th, we meet with the DAs first and then we walk in last and I walk in and that whole courtroom is purple except for his little group of people, maybe 15. Is that what you think? Like 15 people were his? If that, like an aisle and a half. Yeah, everyone showed the judge Tanner. And that was beautiful because never in this whole journey have I expected anybody to do anything like that. I don't have expectations of any of you guys because it's one, not fair to have expectations. And I want to honor at least where you guys are at too. But to walk in and see that whole courtroom full of purple shirts with Tanner's face on them. And then, you know, top it off with, I got about maybe 15 victims impact statements that were submitted to the judge. You know, Jason, Tanner's father, me, and then his girlfriend, Keelan, were able to speak but the judge was able to read all the other victim impact statements. And I think that's when I realized the depth of the grief that everyone was experiencing and wanted to somehow address it in a bigger picture because I had no clue how people were feeling at that level. And it, yeah. it was eye-opening and it was also humbling because, again, my grief has been consumed me this whole year. And I've probably like not been there for people that I wanted to be. And even though their understanding of that, it bothers me because that's not the kind of person I am. So it was very eye opening. And I feel like the judge really took into consideration the letters that people wrote and the number of people that were there to know that Tanner mattered. It wasn't just people saying he mattered and then moving on with their lives. And that, you know, this person that killed him had to, witness it and hear it and see it and know that he did kill someone that was pretty, pretty impressive. And I don't think Tanner ever really realized that himself. So that's what makes it even more bittersweet for me is that I don't think Tanner understands or understood how much he impacted people by just being his humble, kind self. Yeah, I agree. I think bittersweet is exactly how I would describe that. It was awesome to see everyone show up, you know, to know that they cared, that they felt. But, you know, it's sad to know because you, you kind of know what they are feeling. And it's just grief and sadness at a unimaginably tragic loss. So I'm sure that is tough to see. But, you know, no one expected you to be there for them, especially not with drawn out 
criminal justice process. It is, you know, as you know, you learned a lot about it through the court process. My wife works in the criminal justice system. So, you know, I, I get uh, some extra insights into it. You know, they have to check their boxes, cover their bases for that uh, whole beyond a shadow of a doubt thing. But, you know, for open shut cases like this one where, like, the dude did it. <laughs> exactly. That was the hard part of waiting. Yeah, the waiting. And I feel like that forces you to be someone, like you said, someone that you're not. Because grief, it, it is an exhausting experience. It's getting out of bed in the morning, making yourself breakfast, making yourself a smoothie if you don't want to make yourself breakfast. That could be an exhausting experience. just like Or shoving mentally. my face with a handful of M&Ms and a Dr. Pepper. Because, you know, everything is off. Yeah, that was me last year, too. It was like a a cliff bar, my life support (laughs) bars. It was like one of those on the weekdays and then like 3,000 calories on a Saturday. It's like everything is messed up. So to deal with that and then also have to, you know, kick the sludge along of the Colorado DUI justice process, that would take it out of you. More than understandable that the year would be just like a stressful blur that's been more or less blocked out. Yeah, it's completely blocked out. Yeah, I have a lot of similar feelings. There are like whole months of last year where I I could tell you what I did for like a few hours or days of that time. But, uh, you know, you're not alone in that. I'm sure the, there are listeners, listener singular since it's episode <laughs> one. <laughs> Hi, mom. Yeah. Who feel the same way. And, you know, so that's valid. Is there anything else you want to talk about? You know, there's so many things. When you start talking about this, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to, we're going to do this because I thought we agreed, you and I both agreed that it would be good for us just personally to kind of talk about it and different viewpoints and stuff. But as you start talking, you realize there's so many offshoots and caveats that you can, tangents that you can go off on. Where all yeah, this is there's concerned. so many layers. Yeah, it's there's so like, many layers. It's almost like we need more than one episode. Yeah, and I think, you know, we should, if, like you said, if one person listens, then cool. We will be happy about that. But at the same time, we'll be talking through our stuff too. And that alone is valuable to me because even with a grief therapist, I still, I don't know what's going on still. I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. I don't. I still, there's days I don't want to get out of bed. I'm exhausted. There's still so many things outside of my normal routine that, you know, I'm not the same person that I was before Tanner died. Everything has changed so much. I feel like I've aged freaking 10 years, you know, bags under my eyes. I had some before, but now it's like buckets. Um, You know, (laughs) I don't care about a lot of stuff. I don't care, you know. And I don't like that because that's, again, not me. So I think the harder part or hard part for people grieving is that you lose your identity in a way. And you have to kind of figure it out afterwards or try to figure out how to get back to somewhat normal, but it's never going to be normal. So you play this dialogue in your head constantly, like trying to figure out, like you're just trying to figure stuff out about everything. And I feel like, you know, 
again, like we said, there's a lot of people that might just want to listen in to a conversation about grief or randomness and topics that, again, we don't talk about. But I could be wrong. And this could be, you know, one and done. I don't know. But we'll at least uh, give it a whirl. Yeah. Well, I certainly felt cathartic for me. I don't know about you. Ready to go run a run a few miles now? <laughs> Not that cathartic. More or less. My dog is the way she's looking at me, but yeah, and there there is a lot to unpack, especially, you know, I think depending on everyone's circumstances, the nature of what who they're grieving, how they're doing it, it it's also woven into their lives, I know. You know, it affected me in different ways because I was at a different place in my life, not just my age, but, you know, my relationships with Tanner and with other people that were going one direction and then started going another one afterwards. You know, people's careers are affected. People's, like you said, your health, you feel like 10 years. I feel like I'm I'm 20 years older. My bags have bags. You don't know what bags are, but, you know, I swear it's true, though, because you know, that's a whole other thing too. Like grief affects you physically. Grief is very, an, in, it's a very interesting process, but there's a lot of similarities for everybody. But again, the process is unique to each person. And I think that's a, also a hard thing for people to understand that even though I know Andrea that lives in California, we both lost our son on the same day. Our grief is different. And that's the part that we have to Also understand and respect because I always quote unquote joke, like I'll say if someone says something, I'll be like, well, you really can't argue with a a grieving mom. And it's true. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, cannot argue with me because you can't argue with what my feelings are. You can't argue what my outlook is. You can't argue with me about that because it's my own reality. But hopefully like because of that reality, people can learn from it or again validation is a big one for me if people feel like oh that's quote-unquote normal or this person feels that too that's comforting it's comforting to find people that have that are steps ahead in this journey that are okay and what they've done and how they're surviving because it is survival now I'm in survival mode you know I can't imagine my life feeling calm ever again inside which is a little bit terrifying because I'm only 55. That is, that's a hard place to be. It is all different, but you know, hopefully, like you said, you know, you could find the similarities instead of the differences with other people. I hope that other people find that maybe listening in on this, no matter who they're thinking about as they listen to it. And that could, that could bring people together. I feel like, you know, it's hard to be all even, even among fellow, like, close friends of Tanner or, you know, family members like you or siblings, it's, it's tough because you don't know if you're feeling the same feelings. You're not feeling the same exact feelings, but you don't know what's similar and what's not. So it feels hard to share any of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel from my just observations that I don't know if a lot of people like talking about it or not. I feel like sometimes when I talk about Tanner, people get uncomfortable. I feel like some people hold it in. And I wonder, you know, honestly, I wonder to myself, because on Facebook, you know, for the whole year, I changed Tanner's profile. I changed my profile picture to a picture of Tanner every day for the whole year, along with the cover photo. And I started doing that because I wanted 
you know, when we hit the one year mark, when they post memories that those pictures would come back up again and I could see them. But as I started it, I was like, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. But as time went along, I got the vibe that people thought I was like being dramatic or Jesus, is she, you know, going to milk this forever? I got some kind of weird vibey feedback and it made me sad because I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for me. And so, you know, you get to that point where people, I don't know if they start getting annoyed with you or I can't explain it, but because they don't understand, they don't, they must have an opinion. I don't know, but you know, anything I do is to help me remember Tanner. And it's also for myself. I don't want anyone's quote unquote sympathy, but I want people to realize that I am grieving and I will, I'll, I'll be grieving for a long time and it's changed the trajectory of my life and that I still want to talk about Tanner and I want other people to talk about Tanner and I want to hear stories about him and I don't ever want that to end you know kind of like if he was still here I'm going to still pretend quote-unquote that he's still here so I know talking about grief makes people feel uncomfortable and that makes me in a way sad because I'm trying to face it head-on right now for myself but that's not how everyone handles it but I don't want people to feel like because I handle it this way and you handle it that way, that it's wrong. And I think that that's a misconception, too. Yeah, that there's just one way for it. And, you know, yeah, the people you got weird feedback from, you know, they might they didn't, you know, know them as well. They may be have moved on and like wondering why you haven't. And I don't know if, you know, anyone should should be doing that. It takes time. It takes a long time. But. I know how you feel for sure. But see, for you to say that shows a lot about you because I know you're not just saying that to me. You believe that. You believe that I'm allowed that. You're you believe that everyone grieves differently, even though we don't know how the other person might be grieving. You know, so by you saying that, it shows that you are, in my mind, like, you know, you're very compassionate and you're very thoughtful too, because there's no way in heck you would understand my grief of losing a child because you're newlywed and you may not have children and you're still compassionate towards me. And I think that that's in some ways is what's lacking because if someone doesn't grieve the same way you do, you get people get mad or they get annoyed. Like, well, why isn't he, you know, crying every day? I am. Does that mean he doesn't, you know, miss Tanner as much as I do or things like that? But by what you just said, it's showing that even though you don't quote unquote get it, you understand that that's why I'm doing that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. How would, uh, you know, in, in your, in our, in our uh, unprofessional, not medical opinions, disclaimer, how would you, you know, what things would you say are good ways for people to kind of still show, show that without, I don't know what the word would be. Don't you have your thesaurus handy? I guess feeling like, like they, you know, like they are just like tossing you sympathies, like you said. You, you know, you don't want that, but you want like an understanding, a compassion for what you're going through, what you're feeling right now. What are ways people could do that without it feeling like, you know, like you're being smothered with affections, like for you, for your experience, personal experience? You know, at first people reach out, like I mentioned, and then it kind of dwindles, but, you know, as you go through the process, you know, 
you still need to hear from people. And so, you know, one of the nice things, like every once in a while, I'll get like just a heart, you know, Tanner's color's purple. So I'll get a purple heart from one of my friends, no words, just a heart. And I know that they're thinking about me and that's really nice. And that's just simple. You know, I also, you know, since Tanner died, I have, you know, maybe five of my closest friends who I can be more transparent with because I've realized that if someone I haven't really talked to is like, Hey, how are you doing? They don't want to know the answer. If I tell them how I'm doing, <laughs> they are like, you know, straight out, you know, deer in the headlights, like, Oh crap. Why did I just ask her that? If I was to, do I call a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Oh shoot. Why did I ask her how she was doing? So I've learned, unfortunately right now to say I'm fine. Because one, I don't want to make people look at me like a weirdo, but that's not fair. Like when I think about it, like that's not probably the best answer. I should be able to say I'm not okay, but I'm learning that like a lot of times if I try to be honest, they like don't, they didn't ask that question for an answer. They asked that question to just make a conversation, I guess. So I think for me right now, it's very nice when people reach out to me just to say hi or that they're thinking about me. That's super nice of everybody. And, you know, not being obnoxious if I post pictures of Tanner or, you know, I guess just being there. Just people touching base now and then. They don't have to go into great detail. Just, you know, a purple heart is simple. You know someone's thinking about me. We're good. Seeing if I want to, you know, go grab coffee or something. If I don't, I won't. But if I do, it's nice. It's nice to know that other people aren't afraid to reach out to me. Because a lot of people I feel like are, or they haven't since the funeral, which is weird. But, you know, and just being able to, you know, like you guys, you invited me to a, a concert of Tanner's favorite band. Like that was super thoughtful and sweet, you know, and I'm looking forward to it, to go to that Rainbow Kitten Surprise concert. Nice. So that's perfect. Because it's like a little touch of Tanner, thoughtful gesture on your part. We know why we're there, but we won't have to discuss Tanner the whole time. You know, that's why we say Tanner's vibe. Tanner was a vibe because we don't have to. We're there because we have a common interest of Tanner and love of Tanner. And he loved this band and we're going to go see them. And we know why we're all together for that. Yeah. You know, we don't have Tanner anymore. So we just got to do little things that kind of try to get the vibe ourselves. Yeah, because Tanner was a vibe and he needs to, you know, like I've said, I will not stop speaking his name and he was a vibe so i want to share his vibe and i want to do things in his memory and do things in his honor and i know a lot of it will probably go down the road of drunk driving and legislation and awareness but on the flip side of that you know tanner was a nice person a genuinely nice person genuinely thoughtful so if i can make someone smile because Tanner made people smile, then that's what I want to do. And doing this podcast is fun because there's just so many things to talk about. Are a lot to talk about. Hopefully people listening can get some smiles here and there. You know, granted the dark as fuck subject. But yeah, and on on future episodes, I think we should unpack all the stuff that there is to talk about. Both about, you know, Tanner and the life he lived. And also how we're going to remember him now. You know, the legacy that he leaves behind through his kindness and mm -hmm. being a vibe. He is a vibe. And saying kindness and all those things is very, to me, like 
generic and what you're supposed to say, but it really is true where he was concerned. And also for myself, talking about him and doing stuff like that, this keeps me closer to him. Being around his friends keeps me closer to him. Seeing videos, thank God people have taken videos of Tanner and I have so many pictures of him, but the videos keep me closer to him. He doesn't seem so far away because each day as I move forward is one day further away than from when I first, you know, I last hugged him or saw him. So those videos and pictures and, you know, I'm going to blast them everywhere because then he's still alive in, in some ways. Yeah. That's all we can do. It's going to take a while to get there though. Cause right now I'm like, no, he needs to be here. That's just, that's not going to cut it, but. It's still not real, I'll be honest. Like, it's a year and a few weeks, and it's not real still. So I don't know when it will be, quote-unquote, real, but right now it's not. Well, yeah, I feel that. He's, like, in Nairobi or something. Actually, Germany. I, in my mind, he's in Germany because uh, he wanted to go there uh, as a student Could exchange. Talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, COVID screwed that up, so he wasn't able to go, and he was planning on going, you know, before he died. And so... That's where he is right now in my mind that, you know, I'm not going to see him for a while. He's in Germany. That's where my mind is. It's not real. He's not dead. The big farm in Germany. Yeah. He's not dead. He's in Germany. So, you know, as we're closing out the, you know, this first kind of random episode, you know, we won't go into details about where I'm (laughs) recording this from um, at this point because it's amazing. Tanner or Tanner, excuse me. Taryn was, you know, very receptive to kind of playing with this a little bit. And I'm grateful to that because I do not know what I'm doing. Uh, boomer, boomer, boomer sitting here. But my vision, quote unquote, my vision in this world, because like I had mentioned before, before the sentencing hearing, my purpose, I felt my purpose was to get to the sentencing hearing to keep fighting to get to that hearing. And now that that hearing is over, my purpose has shifted a little bit because I don't have that looming in the future. So my goal, you know, after talking with Taryn, who was so kindly helping me with this is to make something to make something out of this, to make something out of Tanner's life, to make something that helps other people, even if it's just listening in on a conversation. I think that everyone has a story and then especially everyone has a grief story. And if they haven't, if they don't have a grief story, they're going to have a grief story. So talking about grief and learning about so many different facets of grief. There's so many things that we can talk about on this. You know, the grief of losing a child, the grief of losing a sibling, the grief of losing a very dear friend, drunk driving, stages of grief, other people's grief stories. I think those are really important to share. There's just so, so many things. So the big picture is the sky's the limit and I want to just see where it goes. You know, I know, again, that there's just so many things and having people maybe give us ideas or topics, making 
this a community making good things happen from something bad because that's really our only option I can't go the other direction I have to do something positive with all of this because if I don't then I would not be sitting here talking right now yeah you've you've already kind of gotten through right. the uh kind of Batman vengeance arc it seems or maybe you've just started but it's an excellent idea. I mean, it's an awesome idea. I think we can have lots of different people on the show, you know, other friends, other people that have close relationships with mental health professionals, you know, and yeah, authors just get a real network of uh, sad people and people who could help. So definitely come get involved. Send us recommendations. You can email us tannersvibe at gmail.com. Or hit us up on social medias. We're going to get that ball rolling. I do want to do events. You know, MAD has different, like, walks and different things that they do. The Richard Lambert Foundation, which is where I found my grief counselor, does things. You know, I always want to spread those things out there because there is lots of things. If I feel like with a purpose, it helps the healing process, too. Um, again, it gives you something to focus on, so... You know, I want to do stuff in Tanner's name. You know, I want to do a nonprofit. I haven't quite figured out what it will be, but I will do something bigger than, you know, it's bigger, 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 bigger. Tanner deserves bigger and I'll do everything I can to do that. So I'm glad that we're at least giving this a shot and thank you for listening. And we want your feedback for sure. Cause I'm a total newbie at this. And Taryn's about ready to have his head pop off, I think. Trying to help no <laughs> trying to help me like, how do I how do I attach this to my computer? No, no, He's done. <laughs> it's the headphone jack. How do I turn this on? Okay, it's that little button. So yeah, he's done. He's done tonight. But yeah, I'd like to have some of Tanner's friends, other people talk on this. I think it's good for them too. Authors and there's so many things, so many things. You don't know what's going to hit you. It's like I say, like, you know, we'll end this real quick with this little analogy of when Tanner was alive, his grandmother likes to do jigsaw puzzles. And since we were staying with my mom, her, his grandma at the time of his death, uh, she always had some sort of jigsaw puzzle set out. Well, Tanner's trick was to take a piece of the puzzle and hide it. So when she was done with her puzzle, she was always missing a piece of the puzzle. And at first she didn't realize it was Tanner. She thought she was seriously losing her mind. <laughs> and then one day, you know, she'd come back to the puzzle and it was there. It was in the, it was in the spot. So then she kind of figured out it was Tanner messing with her a little bit. So part of the reason that this podcast, we decided to call it the missing vibe and use the puzzle pictures because Tanner was a lot of different parts and that one piece that's missing made him who he is. And so we're all missing a piece of Tanner right now. And I don't mean to cry, but we are. And so that's kind of where we got the missing vibe because of the puzzle piece. Lots of fact facets to Tanner to make him a complete person. 
and we are missing that piece, a piece of that, all of us. Basically, that that was the um, story. The be- puzzle piece. Yeah. it's not. It's not an autism thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying Thank to you. figure that one out. Maybe I'm. Maybe yeah. No, it, I think it, it, the color schemes off. It's it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not going to be misconstrued. But it's. We'll have to tweak it. Maybe. Nice. But yeah, so that was kind but, of the yeah. reason that we did that because that was kind of a funny thing that Tanner would always take that piece, and now we're missing that piece forever. Like the puzzle will never be complete now ever again. And so if we can fill that little piece with something that reminds you of Tanner or help someone because of Tanner, that's what I would like to do. Period. Help fill each other's missing piece in. Yeah. Together. No one's alone. We're all here for each other. And it's kind of funny. It'll be, it'll be good. I like to. I like to talk. You like to talk. We can find people that like to talk. We're good. That'd be good. Okay, there. All right. Thank you so much. Thank See you. See you next time. <laughs>